0: Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today.
2: three things about more and why it's so great. It's hilarious, Mm -hmm. impactful message, and Efficient storytelling <laughs> I just love it when you just go There is no fat to that thing Unlike Richard's stomach I'm so sorry <laughs> I, I just I felt so me. I, feel, I take it back it's, it's on the internet forever I just It was so easy I, I just I'm sorry I'll put him for you He's going angry my. It's funny because
0: it's true No, no,
2: no
1: no. <laughs>
0: Welcome, welcome, everyone to the Tune Around podcast. My name is Richard. My name is Austin. And today, I'm excited. We're talking about Discworld I've, today, baby. You're scaring, you're scaring me. Oh my God. Uh, you're more excited I'm than me? Excited. What? We actually get to gush about this. That's one. my we thing. agree. I'm the excited one. You're the stupid,
2: boring one.
0: No, I'm the well-calculated I know. stoic one. You're the one. Get it right. You're the one that talks. <laughs> With actual
2: authority and people listen to you, I'm the one that just goes like, "Oh, he likes a thing," and that's See, it.
0: That's the thing. People like the curmudgeon's opinion because yes. when the curmudgeon actually likes something, it feels like, "Oh, that's yeah. rare. It's nice." You're happy, <laughs> and so they people don't take opinions seriously from happy people. They you, take the sad person opinion.
2: That's a, Simon Cowell. Gordon yep. Ramsay, uh-huh. Richard, last name. I'm not going to dox you in <laughs> front of everybody. We're talking Mort. We're talking Mort. Discworld. This is obviously, you could tell by the sound of our voices and the rare enthusiasm from Richard's voice. <laughs> we like Mort. We love Discworld. I love Mort. So, Discworld in general. Oh, by the way, we're going to do 10 minutes of spoiler free and more, and then we'll get into spoilers about the book, as always. So, if you're here and you haven't read it yet, still, you can still listen in. Discworld. For those unfamiliar, Rich,
0: what is the Disc World? The world of discs, the disc, the flat disc of Disc World. Disc World, as everyone knows, the world is flat. Yes, it's a flat disc on the back of four elephants, and those elephants are riding on a great turtle that is swimming through space, Swim where, where the sun is actually rotating around the disc mm-hmm. through the legs of the elephant, and light is so slow it has to catch up to the sun. And there are
2: 42 (laughs) books in this absurd world, right? Yes. So to put this in context, this is book four of Discworld, but you don't have to read like one, two, three, four in order. You could jump around because Discworlds are more like these serialized, um, there's some things like this is a death book, so there's three death books in the series, but you don't have to start with book one. Actually, it's recommended
0: you don't start with book one. Yes. Yes. I'm currently reading it chronologically. Yeah. But that's because I read a couple of the other books out of order, loved it, and was like, you know what? I want to read this chronologically. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to. You don't have to. And I would say Mort is a great place to start with Discworld. I think it's a good one. I don't even think it's the best. Here's the thing. (laughs) What I love is I love this book. Mm -hmm. I don't even think it's the best death version book like there's several books in the death series yep. this isn't even the best one there's not the best Discworld book That's and a yet great it's introduction.
2: fantastic it's a great introduction i think
0: yeah now t- the books are written by the one and only terry
2: pratchett terry p i think that this is the book series that just we unite in our love for the author mm-hmm. for the series i know like for some reason even with stormlight which we both love
0: yeah we cannot. We can find a reason. I feel a reason to disagree with you. I with just Stormlight.
2: love Stormlight too much. We are just like I have to. Yes. I have to be the Simon Cowell, the Gordon Ramsay. I'm
0: seeing the pattern here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with Discworld, we're just vibing. We are just vibing. We are vibing. All right, let's get into Discworld like Terry Pratchett himself. So mm-hmm. Terry Pratchett is an author who writes absurdist fantasy. He was. Uh, he has passed now, but. During his life, he actually came down with a severe uh, mental disease that took a lot of his memory from him. It was a mental degenerative disease. And I think that perspective of his brought a lot of nuance and intrigue to Terry's view on death. Uh, And I think it's very important where he didn't have this disease here during the writing of this book. But when
2: did he? When he was writing Discord at a certain point, he... At a
0: certain point, he he was diagnosed with this. And okay. it, it's really fascinating because before that, people sent in letters to Terry Pratchett. Yeah. The most heartfelt thing that he said he got was a letter saying, I'm on death's door. And reading your books, I I pray that death is like your character of death. Oh and i hope that when i meet uh, when i meet someone on the other side it'll be like your character is there any higher compliment to an author ever i don't think so like no. it's death is one of the best characters in fiction this book is great it mm-hmm. gets even better later on but that's how important terry pratchett is i think yeah and this book is a great great example of you want to go right into yeah, what this book uh, is exactly I, I got to
2: say, to go off of that, as a spoiler-free mm-hmm. summary of what is, bore- what is more, it's such a short book, it's what, I think it's 90,000 to 100,000 words, mm-hmm. and why you should read more right now is, just like Richard said, this book will make you smile. It's hilarious, and there's also a message to it. It's not a pointless, absurdist world where it's just, ah, we're just going to go have a time. There's a message behind the hilarity of it, which is amazing. And like we said, this is book four of Discworld, but you could start with this one if you have read No Discworld. So it's a great Mm -hmm. introduction. Mort's fantastic. I want to give you you your flavor if you want to add on to the little intro there of why I think Mort is a great intro. You've read other Discworld books. Would you say there's a better one? To start with, than Mort, or was more in that category of, oh, this is also a good one to start
0: with? It's in that category, but I wouldn't put it first. I would okay. put small gods, guards, guards, or personally going postal. I'd put those higher in their intro to the Discworld. And that's mainly the, the main reason is with the exception of small gods, I think Ankh more pork is a vitally important part of what makes Discworld. Discworld that's in Mort. Yeah. barely okay. it's it's there kind of it's not really there but point being this whole series is about death like the most important parts is death and Ankh-Morpork the city right Mort, this book follows two characters it follows death
2: and Mort <laughs> which Mort is the French word for it's the short for mortal and death and yeah. so forth right so it follows death and Mort are the two primary characters where death is this essential parody but also not parody just this fictionalized version of the representation and symbolism of death itself yeah and mort is a simpleton mort here's a line from mort he often wonders why the sun only comes out during the day and not at night when the light would come in much more useful <laughs> that is mort so more you have this <laughs> This backwards way of thinking character who it has the the introduction, chapter there's no chapters actually in Discworld, so I can't say that. The introduction to the book, the first couple pages, is Mort is having a tough time finding a job. So you know who he has with him? He has his dad, whose dad's trying to help him get a job at this job fair, and they get confronted by Death. Death himself.
0: And the Grim Reaper. Death wants to go on a holiday. So he's looking to get an employee, an intern. Yeah. to take over his work for a time. And well, look at that. There's, there's this Mort guy who
2: he, he can get on board and his dad thinks like, oh, this is an undertaker because he yeah. can't see the real death. But Mort sees death and he now does, he gets this new job with death and we find out throughout the story the arcs are following Mort becoming maybe more like death himself and the death grim reaper trying to become more human. And it's a story about what happens when those two characters change roles and how does a simpleton... Act as a Grim Reaper. How does it simple to take the job of a Grim Reaper, and what are the repercussions of that? Yeah, really fun book, and that's just a, that's the summary of the book. But
0: personal feelings, Rich. Yeah, what do you think of more? Uh, there are, I, I had actual out loud moments of like <laughs> shock in this book. And we'll talk about it later. There's a certain scene to me that threw me, and there's some narrative tricks where. Terry Pratchett is such a unique writer where he Mm -hmm. uses uh, unique writing tricks that not really any other author does. Does that that probably... Sorry to interrupt that. I think that comes from,
2: wasn't he a newspaper reporter? Or wasn't his job covering stories in the real world? Something to do with like he was a a story chaser. I think.
0: Yeah, I believe you're right.
2: Do you think that's why he has the unique style that other people... Don't. Or is that
0: it, just... It could be. Yeah. It, it, certainly possibility. Okay. But But you're going on... He has this unique style. And what does that do for you? Well, it makes it unique of... This is one of the books that you can really enjoy the audiobook version. And Audible has the... Or Penguin Random House has some great cast versions of these books, which are fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic reads. However... There's something special about physically reading these books because it's not straightforward. Mm. There's little asterisks where you have an addendum at the bottom of the page for uh, little side notes, which absolutely wonderful experience of trying to jump back between and read these. You have the narrative of how specifically death talks, and we'll get that later, which is just so ominous and heavy feeling. I love it. And it, it's such a simple little tricks. Anyway, I, I've fallen in love with this book, and I think this is the book that really propelled me through the rest of the series.
2: If I could summarize th- three things about Mort and why it's so great, it's hilarious, mm-hmm. impactful message, and efficient storytelling <laughs> I just love it when you just go there is no fat to that thing unlike Richard's stomach I'm so sorry <laughs> I, I just I felt so me I, feel, I take it back it's, it's on the internet forever I just it was so easy I, I just I'm sorry I'll put him for you he's going <laughs> it's angry my funny because
0: it's true no no no,
2: no. I should have said I'm me I'm me it was supposed to be self-deprecating you don't have no, that no I can just shut you. up just, okay I'm sorry sorry Rich uh I just I just know uh, off the pod, you would have been like, you stupid son of a <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting destroyed after this. OK, but it has a profound message of I'll give you a little snippet here of mm-hmm. why what the profound message is of reality versus perception.
0: And, and we'll, that we'll get percept- more. perception itself can make reality. Yeah. And a message about fate. And that's in this funny little book i love that okay so you might tell me what public opinion people have heard what we think okay what is public opinion about well guess what richard's like we planned, this goodreads has Mm. a (laughs) 4.24 that's a fantastic score for goodreads it is for goodreads and also
2: this is the book club of the month we had for our patreon hello patrons thanks for reading this with us where we discuss at the end of every month with our patrons and this was well beloved by all of them i think they all rated it in like the eight to nine range yeah, around their 8 to like 8.75, whatever range. Everybody had a great time. It was more of us just kind of gushing about the book going, wasn't this funny? Wasn't that impactful? Wasn't that cool? And as we get on to this discussion, there's some cool snippets that,
0: you found out about mm-hmm. the book as well. And so, if you guys are interested in joining us for a book club discussion, oh, yeah. why don't you click that link down below for our Patreon where you join our Discord exclusive? Exclusive. Once a month, we talk about a book. We have a book club with all of you. It's a lot of fun. It wouldn't be a two to ramble <laughs> video without <laughs> a Patreon hey. plug within the first 10 minutes. Listen. There's no way <laughs> yeah. that we will cancel ourselves for a bad ad read. That's no. why we got to give it. Display, we're fired. <laughs> we're out <laughs> of here. We do our best, but you know what? Sometimes eh, they don't like it. Our our
2: best is never good enough. That's the problem. It never is. <laughs> What'd you rate more out of 10, Rich? What's your official,
0: spoiler free Richard Rambler rating? The official Richard Rambler rating is a nine, a seven, <laughs> a seven <laughs> point nine five. Hold your horses. <laughs> That was a miscommunication. Sorry, I had butterflies for a second. <laughs> I went, oh,
2: he gave something a nine for the first time in his life.
0: There are other Discworld books that I say would be the nine, Like Small Gods. Yeah, actually. Small Gods yeah. for me is well, well, well above a
2: nine. I got to say, I am i know we feel similarly about this book. Mm-hmm. My spoiler free rating, Austin Ramble rating, which doesn't have the alliteration, 8.9 out of 10.
0: Fantastic score. Fantastic. And I'm not getting... Honestly, no, no. I'm looking at this like... Even though that I'm objective yeah. and right in all things. Of course. I want you to be more right. I'm fine. You're, rooting, you're rooting for the higher score. I'm rooting for you. I'm yep. rooting for your higher score. I don't want to rate it lower than that. So yeah. I'm happy for you to convince me to raise the score.
2: Okay. Okay. I will try to do that. I'll try my best because I this is a great book. I like Small Gods better. I do just be a small guy. Oh, they're, they're just great. They're yeah. just great. Want to get the spoilers because we gotta we gotta do spoilers. So. Okay, spoiler warning for everybody. If you have not read Mort, this is your warning. But hey, still listening. If you don't care about spoilers, I guess right. I guess. Okay,
0: okay. category time. Yep. What did you rate emotional impact out of? I 10. gave emotional impact an eight point five out of ten. Excellent. I get eight point seven five. We're very close. What What was some of the big emotional moments of this book for you? So, obviously, we're gonna have a lot of talk
2: about why things are funny and yeah. just how his prose is incredible and the story itself, that the first thing, I, I want to talk, in emotional impact, I like to first do the message. Like, okay. What was what was the point of the book, and did it get that point across? And I think the message of the story is perfectly set on page 99, depending on the version you have. But this is, this is the wizard Cutwell was saying this to Mort. Mm-hmm. Okay? And Cutwell says, let's suppose you went out of here and prowled around the palace. One of the guards would probably see you, and he'd think you were a thief, and he'd fire his crossbow. I mean... In his reality, you'd be a thief. It wouldn't actually be true, but you'd be just as dead as if it was. Belief is powerful stuff. I'm a wizard. We know these things. Look here. That little paragraph <laughs> message there of him telling Mort and showing Mort that doesn't matter if you actually are a thief. The reality doesn't matter. His perception, their perception of you, mm-hmm. you'd be dead. So if they think you're a thief and kill you, it doesn't really matter if you weren't a thief your whole life. You're still yeah. dead. So that message surrounding of when we get into the plot of this book of reality splitting and what is actually true and what isn't, it's just a message, a really profound message And every element in the story surrounds that message of reality versus perception.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it goes beyond to what actually is the afterlife, where death explains how the afterlife is actually whatever someone believed when they were alive. So if someone believes in reincarnation, then when they die, they're reincarnated. Yeah. If someone believes in a certain type of heaven, and heaven and hell, that is what they, that's what they get. That, yeah. So it is all, so the afterlife for the souls in this world is what they perceive. Yeah. It's their not, perception. Not
2: real, but like, hey, if I think I could be reincarnated, the thing is, you do. It is
0: real. It becomes real because of their perception. Their yeah. perception becomes real. Yeah. Right? Every unique one. And that's... The fact that that is there, and that's a part of the message as well, it's not... The message is not tacked on. It's fully realized to the rest of this book. And so if I perceive us as friends, does the reality not matter? I mean, in many ways, your actions... Yeah. So if you believe we're friends... But it's actually regardless not true. of whether it's true or not, it will it will affect your actions the same, right? So if I'm in whether the, we're friends so or not, I'm, if you believe my so, delusion, your react my your delusion actions, affects
2: the reality exactly. exactly. Thank you, Mort. Thank you, Terry Pratchett, <laughs> for helping me understand this. It, like, it does. I like how messages like this you could use them in all facets of life of yep. like whether whether perceptions do actually affect your reality and why wow. that does matter more because there's a very true point to that. Mm-hmm. Because who who cares? I mean, Nineteen Eighty Four, George Orwell. Like the truth is, two plus two doesn't equal five, but the perception of people and the, the the reality of it doesn't matter as long as the society itself is perceiving it a certain way. And you you mm-hmm. could extend this to so many different facets of life. I love that message.
0: Yeah, and I think another emotional moment for me, I just yeah. kind of want to get right, right out of the game. Go go The ahead. Biggest emotional moment for me. Spoilers here. Yep yep is. When Mort for Mm -hmm. the first time talks like death. Yeah. For for this whole book, death is Death is when he talks, it's never he doesn't get quotations. Everyone else, their words are in quotes because it's someone talking. Yep. Death is a part of the world. And so when he talks, it's just the text without quotes and in bold. And it all it always feels odd and different it it adds a layer of separation between death and everyone else and so when you're reading uh mort's line and he's talking and it's in quotations and he says i like i am not boy i am mort and it's bolded and the last part of that is bolded without quotation marks yeah you just you have to do a double take and go wait a minute what just happens there Excuse me, did I read wrong? Did Death walk in the room? Hold on a minute. And it's such a great moment. I was so emotional nice. during, that, during that scene.
2: That's uh, because the, the whole point of the story had more becoming Death and Death becoming human because Death's dialogue, as it goes on, starts to become more in regular quotations. Yeah. So some of those most fun scenes are when that switch begins to happen where you see Death interact with all these humans and it's like, what is fun? Is drinking is fun? Okay. Cooking is fun? Okay. And continues the message of fun is what you make of it. Perception is what you make of it. And death is figuring it out because death is this not ominous being, but just this ethereal being that isn't actually human. So he's trying to be like, why do we humans think this is fun and this isn't fun?
0: Because. (laughs) Mainly because the glands... They like humans got glands glands. and death doesn't have glands.
2: (laughs) And those glands are just, they're working different ways to make you think things are more fun than other things. It's when you ask yourself the question, like, why is that thing fun? Richard,
0: Uh, if I ask you, why is reading fun? Richard answer that for me. Because I have fun. See, (laughs) (laughs) you don't need to. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) It's funny that death has to learn that lesson. Yeah. Because death, when he brings people to the afterlife, he knows this. He knows that perception is power and makes reality. Mm. He completely understands this. And yet when he's trying to understand humans, he is trying to analyze of like exactly why is this fun? Because he doesn't particularly feel it. And he doesn't, real, he doesn't have the perception. He can't perceive things the same way humans do. And so he's trying to look at a more objective realm. And it's very strange because he should know this message, but he just doesn't feel it. That You
2: illustrating that as well, I just think it's neat how when we initially talk about more, which this whole book's just funny. Yeah. The first thing we go to is the message,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is even more impressive because Terry Pratchett doesn't just write nonsense. The mm-hmm. thing that makes it real is that it's absurd, but it fits so well together, which we'll get in world building more yeah. so. I just love that because there's these the hilarious moments. I have a ton to talk about in dialogue and prose. Yeah. But is there any cherry on top you want to add to why this emotionally resounded with you, other than what we've already mentioned?
0: I think that's we'll, we'll get into maybe more details in plot and all okay. that stuff. But plot, then what'd you give out of a ten?
2: I H- give out of a ten. Out, out of a ten. 10. You- <laughs> I gave plot a seven point two five. Okay, good rating. I get, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I
0: gave it a nine.
2: I, but I don't Fair think enough. I don't think I'll get pushback from you on this.
0: <laughs> no, not particularly. Interesting. Uh, here's the thing: the only reason why it's not like, even more yeah. higher, I would say for me the by and far best parts of the book was the plotting for death. Death's okay. plot was near perfection. Mort's maybe mixed back. Like, could it be cut, trimmed? He- like, I don't, I don't know. I'm as I was definitely far more excited about. Death's scenes than I was about Mort's. More scenes. Okay. I had plenty of great moments in Mort, but not the complete enthrallment that I have with Death's scenes.
2: Death was the did shine in this. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. So that's, that's that's just the okay. only
0: thing I'm putting on. So
2: okay. So. The, as we're going through the plot for Mort, um, yeah, you have Mort and Death. We, as we discussed, going through their different uh, Mort becoming more Death, Death becoming more like a human and trying to figure out what <laughs> that is to be human. But the story starts off, act one. Intro is Mort is trying to get a job. His father's trying to help him. He's a simpleton. Can't get any other job. Death comes. The catalyst is boom. Hey, guess what, Mort? You're working with death from now on. Death needs a little vacation. What happens after death invites Mort to his world? So we've got Mort. He is in the world of death. He's He sees Yisabel, who is death's daughter, and Albert, death's manservant, who comes out to be a big wizard, who's very powerful, whatever, right? So... Death takes Mort to his domain here, and Mort later accompanies death as he travels to collect the soul of the king of Stolat. I love the names he has in this world. Stolat, what a name. It's S-T-O space L-A-T. Stolat. Stolat. Simple. I don't know why I like it. I do. It's simple. And this king is about to be assassinated by the scheming duke. Like, it reminds me of you, you little schemer, Richard. So after Mort tries to prevent the assassination death tells him like hey deaths are pre predetermined you can't just stop fate itself if you're going to take this job as a grim reaper Mort, you got to take this seriously he says to the simpleton who doesn't take things things seriously <laughs> so you can't interfere with with fate and death is like good i got that across i can now go on a vacation <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so later on death now assigns mort to collect the soul of Princes, princess kelly And Princess Kelly's was already seen in this earlier scene because she's the daughter of that king that was just murdered. Mm -hmm. And Mort now goes back, and of course, because what Discworld does great and what what Discworld really does well, and Terry Pratchett does well, is he paradises fantasy. Mm -hmm. But to paradise fantasy itself, like, Rich, I know you agree with me on this, he's not making fun of it in a rude way. He's not making fun of fantasy in a disrespectful way. You know he loves it so much because in order to create a parody of something you have to be a true expert
0: in the genre itself and in storytelling itself yeah there's two types of there's two ways to make fun of something it's from a place of hate or from a place of love and often i would say 99 percent of the time the joke coming from a place of love is typically funnier because when you come from a place of love you deeply understand something and when you deeply understand something the joke lands better so you love me I don't think I tell that great of jokes about you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're so right. When, when you are actually... Oh, here, here's a great example. Mm-hmm. You are only able to create a great parody of something if you deeply understand it, like someone like Quentin Tarantino. Or Quentin Tarantino creating Pulp Fiction, the reason why that storytelling is kind of so weird and janky, the storytelling, the the plot happens in different orders, the dialogue was never seen before where people talked about McDonald's in a car. The mm-hmm. reason that worked is Quentin Tarantino is an expert storyteller, so he's able to get that across of like, hey, I know storytelling so well, I can break the rules and it's entertaining because you have to know the rules in order to break the rules. Yeah, that sort of I, Completely.
0: Yeah. It comes across that all of the jokes that Terry Pratchett has for the fantasy genre yeah. comes from place of love. Because he deeply yeah. loves fantasy.
2: And, and in this scene, Princess Kelly is like that damsel in distress a love story. of Like, oh, I'm supposed to love the princess. And it leads to a great plot because of the way he navigates it. So go, going forward from that scene, Mort saves Princess Kelly. This, this wasn't supposed to happen. Death just told Mort that you can't mess with fate and reality itself. So Kelly lives... But shortly after the assassin's death, people begin to act as if something had happened without knowing why. There was just this, there's these weird scenes where people are questioning themselves, going like, what's, what's going on? And reality seems to be a little strange right now. P- um, some people are making funeral preparations, and they don't know why. It's just really confusing because Mort screwed up. So what happens is Kelly, Princess Kelly finds out that the world no longer acknowledges her existence for some reason. It's like what? What is happening? And right the now? world itself is trying to self-correct. It's trying to self-correct because these two realities have been created: one where Princess Kelly died, the one where Mort didn't intervene, and another reality where Mort did intervene and Princess Kelly's alive and the assassin's dead. Yeah. Would you consider is this is this the first ever MCU multiverse? <laughs> that, what, what would you consider
0: with these two realities? Well a multiverse typically means like they are separate things and maybe they cross over in this. It's more two realities existing at the exact same time. Okay. And the conflict that comes from that. And it's more of like yeah. a Schrodinger's cat type of deal. Right. She's both alive and dead. But after that, a- after that, well, simultaneously while this is going on, well, we so, have death.
2: Yeah, we have death scenes, but before we have all the death scenes there, princess Kelly is going like, what is going on right now? Why does no one acknowledge my existence? So she goes to the wizard, Cutwell, who had that message from earlier. I said, that said the message of the story to more about perception versus reality. So she goes to Cutwell, who is able to see her, because wizards are able to see things like death. Wizards mm-hmm. in, in the world building of Discworld, wizards can see death, and they get a right to be visited by death himself once wizards die. That's just part of the world building, right? Yeah. So... Um, she employs princess kelly who is dead to some people employs Cutwell to be like hey make my existence clear to the public fix this and meanwhile mort figures out that his actions have created this alternate reality where kelly lives so he's he, he discovers this um but he he also understands it's being overridden by the reality which he didn't intervene so the the realities are sort of merging there and so while consulting cutwell um, Mort goes to consult Cutwell as well. He sees a picture of un- the Unseen University. And the Unseen University is where wizards such as Cutwell are working and they're doing their wizardry stuff. Is that the best way to explain it? For yep. uh, you're it's, the better Discworld knowledger over there. The Unseen How-
0: University is the the wizard school that is at the heart of ankh Pork, where all magic things are discover uh, you know, investigated and where they're kind of farting off. <laughs>
2: And when he goes to this, he sees a picture of the Unseen University's founder, who looks very similar to Albert, the manservant of death. And come to find out the founder of the Unseen University from thousands of years ago is Albert. Yeah. So we have Mort and Yisabel, who, by the way, throughout all this, one of the funniest plot lines as well is Yisabel is madly in love and trying to seduce Mort and Mort just does not acknowledge it or realize it the whole time like she's got I don't know this one scene where she's on the bed and got candles over there and Mort walks in she's like hello Mort and Mort's like Mort and And one of the patterns we'll get until we talk about characters is what Mort's reactions are but sticky on plot won't get ahead of myself So Mort and Isabel, they travel to the library in Death's Domain, which, a cool world-building feature, is that it has these biographies of everyone who has ever lived. So they go and they investigate Albert's book, his biography, and the way this magic works with with the books is you are also reading what's happening in the current moment. Uh, Help me explain that for people who might not have read the book. You get what I mean,
0: Rich? (laughs) The book is... (laughs) if you go to the most current page, it is actively being written. By what's happening. Yes. So this amazing scene where Terry Pratchett
2: has this way with prose to make it super unique, but also a unique plot element he does is Mort and Isabel find Albert's book and are reading that... Albert is below the ladder they climbed up and uh, they, they climbed up a ladder to get to Albert's book and they're reading that Albert right now is on the bottom of the ladder thinking about kicking the ladder over. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going like, Albert, he wouldn't. And they're like shouting down. They're like, Albert. There's, there's a scene there of where they're reading what's in Albert's head and Albert can't help it because it's yeah. it, it's in the book. It's part of the magic system. So they they further learn that Albert had feared monsters waiting for him in the afterlife. And he so he performed this right, this reverse version of this magic thing that you can do, um, keeping death away from him. So he was able to go into the library and live kind of forever, like have this immortality of a sense where Albert went and became the manservant of death. Mm. Um, The the spell backfired, and that's what happened. He became the manservant of death. Uh, And he's been remaining by his side. So during this time, death is meanwhile on, or I can't say earth, he's on the disc world. And death, while Mort's discovering all this, is having these human experiences. He's trying to figure out what it's like to have fun.
0: He goes fishing. He fishing. Goes, he goes drinking at a bar, trying drinking. to make friends, trying to get his first job. Ch- well, other than death. And you're gonna repeat everything I say. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was, we were on a rhythm. <laughs> I didn't like that rhythm.
2: So, which was your, which was your favorite scene from when Death was going back and trying to
0: become human? I love them all. Yeah. But uh-huh. uh, I think him drinking and trying to become friends. <sighs> is my favorite of him just asking like is this what people do for fun it's like well it's what people normally do to forget and he's like i've never done that before (laughs) (laughs) and he tries to drink away his memories because it's hard to have fun when you remember everything that ever is ever was ever will be so i love that and it's all of these scenes is death trying to have an emotion, have fun, have sadness, have something other than apathy. And it's the reason why he can't is he doesn't have attachments to the real world Hmm. or he says he does. He doesn't, but we find out as the reader that he has a strange affection and attachment to cats. It's something he really, yeah. And he doesn't even know it. He has this weird acknowledgement. He just really likes cats, but he doesn't acknowledge that he likes them. And even when he's fits of anger, he's like protecting the cat and just like slowly pushes away. So it doesn't get hurt. And then it gets angry again. Like, I love it. It's just funny. Exactly. so that scene happens
2: like more toward act three, which, which we'll get into next, but death has all these little adventures Mm -hmm. and trying to become human, trying to relate. And that bar scene you're talking about, which we'll we'll get into more with dialogue and prose as well. But he is being like, Oh yeah. We friends now to the bartender and, he creeps out literally everybody in the bar because death is just not human. He's not normal. So everyone's a little creeped out. He stays way too long. He drinks so many drinks and the bartender eventually slams a door in death's face and you feel bad for death. You feel like, Oh, (laughs) death just wanted a bud. That's it. Sometimes that's all I want. And I don't get that either. But me and death are, we don't get what we want. Not ever. It's my perception. Okay. (laughs) So death's absence then. Um, He's Death is still trying to discover this human world, and Mort's back up there going like, well, he's absent, and I have two more souls to collect now, so I might as well continue doing the bad job I'm doing. So he goes to collect these two new souls, and they're located in separate parts of the disc itself. One is in the Agatian Empire. Am I saying that right? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And another one is in Sort. And so they're due to die in the same night. And so what happens is before Mort and Isabel... Leave to collect the souls. Mort uses um, Mort uses the part of death within him to force Albert to provide a spell that will slow down the alternate reality's destruction. Because there's now a ticking clock. Things are happening. You got the timetable going, so you get a little bit of extra extra ride as you're going through the plot. Uh, Now, after Mort and Isabel leave, Albert returns to the unseen university. Under the he picks a fake identity. He calls himself Malik. So Albert goes back to this unseen university, which he founded two thousand years ago. And his eagerness to live on the disc is reinvigorated during this time. Albert's like, oh, I'm back on the disc. I want to live here again. And he has the wizards perform the rite of Ashkenate. That's the magic thing I was talking about earlier that he did long ago, which led him to becoming the manservant of death. So they perform this rite. And this rite with this magic system, what you're able to do, it summons death himself. The wizards are able to summon death with this magic spell. So death, as he's on all these human adventures... Gets summoned back, boom, right there to all these wizards and Albert. And this is where Death figures out wait a second, while I've been going and having, trying to have fun, more, what he did to me is one, he seduces my daughter. And two, he destroys the fabric of reality itself! Are you kidding me, Mort? He's furious! And like Rich said, this is one of your favorite moments. He's so angry! I cannot believe you, Mort! He teleports back and he goes, oh, kitty's over here. Let me make sure the kitty's safe. I'm angry! <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was his reaction to finding out the fabric of reality. So he still has this love for cats, and it's why death is so endearing. Cat, go on kindly, cat, death says, as he's yelling at Mort. But you see these little inklings of humanity, and that they're like there's just something something could have went wrong in life. Like death's whole personality is he he has to be somewhat apathetic, he can't he can't not kill you. It's the grim reaper. It's the hourglass. I must follow fate. But you understand death well
0: enough to know he does care. There is someone down there. Well, it's also just so hard for him to care about an individual life when he yeah. sees the world. He sees existence differently. He sees it all at once, mm-hmm. not moment by moment through time and, and understanding th- death that way makes you you empathize because empathize, yeah. you sc- clearly he death wants to he wants that he's envious of living beings on being able to experience something that he just doesn't understand it's a you know it's a color i guess it's almost in a way it's like a colorblind person tr- wanting to see color like they still have their own existence but it's a and it's not completely unenviable it's just different mm. they they can't on death cannot understand the concept of morality uh, mor- mortality but he wants to like, a colorblind person cannot understand the concept of colors even if they want to right and it's sympathetic right good analogy i like that a lot mm. and, and so to go off
2: my tangent and back to what's happening in the story Death is there, he's furious. He mm-hmm. has that moment you love with a cat. He's like, oh, Mort, what did you do, Mort? So meanwhile, Mort and Isabel, they tr- Isabel, who's madly in love with Mort, Mort doesn't realize it. Great, love it. <laughs> they travel to Princess Kelly's palace where the princess <clears throat> and Cutwell have organized this really quick and hasty coronation in the hope that Kelly can be crowned queen before the alternate reality is destroyed. They're trying to get this done. And so with this Reality, now it's too small for Albert Spell because the reality is literally collapsing on them, this timetable of getting closer and closer to being obliterated. Mort and Isabel save Kelly and Cutwell from being destroyed with the alternate reality, and they return to death's domain to find this furious, enraged death waiting for them. Mort, you took my daughter. You destroyed my reality. I just imagine (laughs) death sounds like that. I don't know. (laughs) And so now death dismisses Mort, and attempts to take the souls from Kelly and Cutwell. But Moore instead challenges him to a duel. As epic as Stormlight, as epic as Red Rising.
0: <laughs> it's duel time. Can Terry Pratchett pull the duel off? Well, and I love how the duel, in many ways, is not for the sake of others. It's just that Moore is so tired of everyone calling him boy or someone else and not you calling him by his name. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you know what? If I'm going to die, you're going to. You're, I'm going to die with you calling me by my goddamn name. <laughs> He's one of his character traits just been this whole time. Everyone, no one acknowledges more. Yeah. So everyone calls him boy, which I find fun. So that, that is a joke, mm-hmm. but also it makes him in many ways, similar to death. One of death's yes. abilities or powers yes. is that people don't notice him and they have to focus really hard to see him and acknowledge his presence. And that's what he does naturally. Mort in this is kind of similar Pe- people are can't remember his name and tr- kind of have a hard time acknowledging Mort's existence which in many ways makes him similar to death
2: right on right. the opposite end of the spectrum because death is ethereal and Mort is a no name who cares about Mort yeah like just like you a stranger on the side of the street that you wouldn't give two glances to, it's just a simpleton mm-hmm. but they have opposite reasons for it. But it, it's a similarity. It's fun, to, it's it's fun a, to see the duel itself that happens between death and Mort is so cool. Yeah, it's so weird, well and it happens in the area where all these hourglasses are in people's lives because people's lives are in these hourglasses where it's time to death to come claim the lives on the Disc World. So while they're fighting, they're accidentally destroying hourglasses and breaking them apart. So what actually happens in the Disc World is some people are like. Falling off hills or getting cardiac arrest, dying of a heart attack because this happened up in death's domain. So they're they're all dying here, and I think the duke is one of those that dies in the actual yeah. the, the the duke who assassinated Princess Kelly's dad way back when this all started is one of those that dies of a heart attack because the hourglass shatters. So the the duel ends, and could could you remind me as well that the very end of the duel. Was de- Death won, wins the duel, but despite he doesn't kill
0: Mort. Yeah, he has a moment of, he learns a lesson of, he has empathy, he has an attachment. And it's mostly through his daughter. He sees how much his daughter cares about Mort. Mm. And through that, he decides to spare Mort. And just as Mort's time is running out, the the last few grains of sand through his hourglass, Death flips it over. Yeah. I, Let's uh let more have a bit more time left on it,, you know, left alive, yeah. mainly for his daughter's sake. but it proves that death already has a type of attachment. It may not be the same as mortals, but he does. He does have empathy, and it's he disproves his own set rule of destiny being fixed. And that, you know, sometimes it's a little fudgeable. It's the, I like it because it's more of a statement of there are some things that you have no control over. And acknowledging that, that sometimes there's nothing you can do. But thinking that way, cutting out all possibility of change, that everything is set in stone, is also wrong because sometimes a situation that you may think is impossible. Maybe there's a little chance that maybe it's not, and that is important to live. It, it's vastly important to have that perspective. All right. And I love that death kind of teaches that to us and also to himself.
2: That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's, you you really resonate with death's side of the story mm-hmm. as, as the story went on. So, your plot wise, you look at death's message. Yeah, as really compelling. Did you get something as compelling from
0: Mort's side and Mort's message? I see it a lot more in the reflection of deaths. Okay. So I like the little love triangle story with, uh, you know, but I like a lot of the stuff with Mort, but I love the deaths part. That that's the only difference. Okay. So like you could replace scenes w- with more, like if Terry Pratchett wrote the love story a different way, I wouldn't notice. I, I don't care as much. Like it, right. it, I'm sure it would also be good. Death's scenes seem perfect. There's nothing I would change, nothing I'd want changed. I want it forever. Just how it is. And so
2: how the story ended, I also I love a good parallel structure. I love using the tools you already learned in the story to end a book. And so at the very end, mm-hmm. we get Death spares Mort and Mort ends up marrying, instead of the princess, marries Isabel, who'll mm-hmm. live happily ever after. Um, and because Death talks with the gods and they you know come to this agreement and so forth. But I love how the book ends, specifically with reading um, Mort's book, the book that uh, everyone has their own biographies. We already learned this from when Albert, where we were reading Albert as he was trying to destroy the ladder on the bottom. It's writing as you're going, so it ends with Mort's own book talking about what's actually happening in the book itself. Uh, You get what I mean? So the book, the books, the books going self-referential. So the books going within a book, and the, it ends the very last page is Mort saying goodbye to Death. And, you know, hey, if you ever need another substitute, Death, I got you, don't worry. Death is like, oh, I may call you up on that, we'll see. And Mort says goodbye, and Death says, I prefer. Au revoir. I can't speak French.
0: Au, au, au revoir. I'm just going to let you have that one. I'm, I'm not even going to try. Can you can you help me? Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir
2: right. No, it is Okay, (laughs) but he says goodbye in French, and I love a good little click at the end. The reason he says it in French is
3: more. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time.
2: The name Mort is it means death in French. Yeah. So nice little tying up at the end there. But the, the thing that impressed me the most about the plot is the efficiency. Like you, you, you
0: looked at Death's plot and went, there's nothing well, to talked We talked about a lot of stuff. And yeah. man, is this a pretty short book.
2: Oh, that, the good point. It is a very short book. And it's just so efficient with its storytelling. And within all of that actual important plot stuff, it's just ridiculous fun where mm-hmm. I, there's too many scenes to mention but the one that just stands out to me as a funny plot scene that was literally a paragraph is when Albert who's 2000 years old comes back to earth right is coming back and eventually performs the ritual and gets death back but he comes back to this old bar the mended drum which has somehow lasted 2000 years and he's arguing with the bartender because His father and his father's father and his father's father's father at this bar have—the whole place has survived one one regicide, three civil wars, 61 major fires, 490 robberies, etc., 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 all to record the fact that Albert still owes money on the tab from 2,000 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just one— paragraph (laughs) is part of the plot it's like a little side thing and there's all these little nuggets throughout the plot that happen that just make it constantly funny keep you engaged but also keeps the story moving yeah that's so impressive (laughs) and so terry Pratchett's able to make you smile while this message is also being shown to you like you
0: got you got a lot of the death messages it seems a ton and Uh, even further we're talking about perception reality i love how this is ties into the magic of the world. With the gods and the more yeah. celestial beings of the dis of Discworld, is the gods get power from belief, and the number of believers uh, a particular god has uh, affects how strong and how powerful these gods are. Right, and in the end of the book, you kind of show how death lives separately from the gods, but when it comes down to it. Death's top dog. Death has the most power. And he kind of, you know, walks in, just saunters into the god's realm and kind of like lays down the law. They're trying to, it's like, I'm death. Shut up. <laughs> and you think to yourself, like, and they try and draw this distinction that god, death is not particularly a god. He isn't a god. He's been there from the beginning of reality, and he is there at the end. He's the beginning and ending of it all reality. And so he is not a God. Mm -hmm. However, as I see it is if power, if divine power comes from belief in disc world, which like who, who is more believed in than death itself? Every living being creature believes in death, knows that death is coming. That type of certainty Throughout all time, all creatures believe in death, and so of course, death is the most powerful. The most people in believe in. Yeah,
2: and why belief is more important than reality. Yeah, every facet of this book works. Oh yeah, it's it's such a <laughs> great observation you have there, Ed. When you when we first talked about this, and you, you brought that, I was like, oh,
0: Curious doesn't point. it just
2: fit? It just fits. It just mm-hmm. fits, and that's why the absurdity isn't, of the world isn't just absurd at all. It makes sense. Uh, every, yeah. Everything that is supposed to be nonsensical ties together with the message of the story. So mm-hmm. good. Is there anything else you want to discuss and
0: plot, or would you like to move on to these characters? Let's themselves? move on to the characters. What did you give the character score? An 8.5 solid score. What'd you get? I gave characters a 7.75. Okay, very good. If right. it was just death, it would be a ten out of ten. Well, Let, let's
2: first okay, let's talk about the main characters first. Death, Mort, then we'll go on to some of the side characters. But we we did talk quite a bit about the characters, so this will be a little briefer. Yeah, but with death, mm-hmm. I want to start with a description of who this character is. This is how we get introduced to death first time in Mort. The figure's hood fell back. Naked skull turned its empty eye sockets toward him. Not quite empty though deep within them as though they were dows looking across the gulfs of space were two tiny blue stars. You get this great description of death and you can, and that's also on the, is he on the cover here? He is. Yes, he, he's on the cover here. Great visual. And uh, we, we talked about death a lot, but what sums up the character perfectly is that scene where he pushes the cutaway a little bit like this, mm-hmm. but talking about death so much, is there any nuance you want to add on top of what you mentioned on,
0: Death as a character and his meaning here. Because of death's separation from mortals, it gives us a better insight of what makes us truly mortal because we take it for granted what makes us human and what makes us little fleshy creatures. But death trying to find it is a more... We can appreciate the little things that make us who we are. Yeah, And so that that is the... That is the fun part of because death is envious and is jealous of what we uh, take for granted. Yeah, I but, love
2: it. And since we talked about death too much, yeah. I, I will I will add on to that. But let's go to Mort briefly because I think we we really underplayed Mort. Sure. Where again, the, the description of Mort is so great. It's he was tall, red haired, and freckled with a sort of body that seemed to be only marginally under its owner's control and appeared to have been built out of knees. <laughs>
0: built out of knees it it just works i I would never think of that description that sounds like nonsense on paper and then like i get it i completely understand what he means you see a
2: person that's like you know on the skinnier side but the knees are just they jut out and he's kind of lanky and it's
0: just the way he moves all the joints are pronounced and just kind of yeah weird and bony it makes sense (laughs) yeah, completely and it makes
2: sense that mort's a weird bony guy yeah (laughs) and the backwards way of thinking we mentioned before where this is literally page four of the book where it says mort wonders why the sun only comes out during the day and not during the night would be more useful like yeah okay i get his frame of thinking i get it completely (laughs) it's just stupid (laughs) it's just stupid and that that part of his character where nobody pays attention to him People call him boy. Death calls him boy. At one point, I think the narration calls him it. <laughs> <laughs> and so Mort is just seen as just overlooked and con. He's always looked down on, and everyone's condescending toward him. And so he has this moment of every time somebody calls him boy, he will respond with like Mort. And then that's it. he'll say like Mort. He said automatically, or Mort. He said frustratingly, or Mort. It's Mort. But he'll never go further than that. It's just a very simpleton of like, my name is Mort. Why I, why I love that aspect of his character, not only at the end where he faces in the duel with death, of you think this, he's completely naive. Mm-hmm. You think he's just this uh, push over character, but he does have a sense of backbone. His knees, his joints have got some bones to him, you know? <laughs> he's he, he might get pushed over a lot, but he does have a sense of, of self identity, he does have a sense of maybe not pride, but just self respect. Because this person like him, you could see how you know he's dumb and he's a backwards way of thinking, like um, think very little of himself. No, he's not like me. He doesn't think that <laughs> low of himself. More <laughs> as his character, <laughs> just, I look up to. I like imagine that My, the character I look up to is Mort. <laughs> uh, but it, it says something about it. it makes him so easy to root for. Where a worse author could have just written this character as like the complete pushover, the complete ridiculousness. But it adds an element of rootability, of yeah, Mort. That is your name. Let's <laughs> go, Queen. Like what do they say nowadays? Slay. Yeah, try and <laughs> try and appeal to the fellow youth, <laughs> the fellow youths. All right, <laughs> two so, youths. So that that's why I really liked Mort's character going into this, and. Uh, Not to give spoilers, this is not spoilers for Small Gods, but he very much reminds me of Brother in some ways from Small Gods. Now, Brother, the character in Small Gods, they're not the same character, but they're definitely the more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it naive to a sense, but it's not a complete detriment. Their naivety is both
0: one of their pros, but also flaws to their character. They're, in many ways, they're kind of opposites. Where Brother has, his thinking is pure memorization, and he doesn't have any original thoughts until, of course, you know, story. But (laughs) Until the story happens, right? But beginning, because he has perfect memory, he doesn't need to think about something himself. He can go back through his memory and knows what has been told to him. So he doesn't need to have an original thought, because all thoughts are there for For him to pick Mm. through. Mort is different. He's incredibly creative. It's just stupid. (laughs) It's stupidly creative. But he... Because he doesn't... Because he's not incredibly intelligent. He doesn't remember everything. He has to creatively think of things. Knowledge. A a lack of knowledge. Is necessary for you to creatively think. Mm -hmm. And so that's how he can have that little self-sense of discovery.
2: Yeah, you, you're right. They are different, but the these similar personality between the two of them, where brother being more memory and intelligent in that way, and more mm-hmm. being more creative, they're so, I guess, stuck in their ways and before they have their character arc that they come across as um, very abnormal. Mm-hmm. And maybe that abnorm- abnormality... Ab- Ab- abnormality. Abnor ah! Ah! ah You had trouble too trying to show me up with the words. That abnormality in their in their character. <laughs> abnormality. That's it. Yeah. That there you go. Abnormality. So they're so abnormal because their way of thinking is so uh, would it be uh, what what's the word I'm looking for then? Of of abnormality. What, what gives, what do you think? Do you, am I off base here on, they have a very similar presence on the page when I'm reading them?
0: Is it, is naive the right word? They, they have a, pre- they are overlooked. They're both characters that everyone ah, else it. looks down on. Yeah. Not for just different reasons. Yeah. I, I mean, similar reasons. They both think they think odd. Yeah. And they, everyone kind of sees them as completely stupid. And yeah. they both have something to offer. Everyone looks down on them. They learn to respect them in some
2: way. It's that trope that we read in "Save the Cat," one of the genres of this. "Save the Cat" is a story about like how to write a story, storytelling structures. It was that protagonist, the overlooked protagonist, though mm-hmm. so not your typical hero, not your Caledon, Darrow, Percy Jackson, et cetera, That becomes the hero and like you know has their character arc. This is the person that nobody thinks about, and no, they shouldn't affect the story, but they really do. Yeah, yeah, you're you're totally spot on with that. Um. Anything with Mort? Want to touch some of the side characters and then get on? Okay. Let's go on to some of the side characters. I, I want to bring up Isabel immediately because he, I, I really liked how she was the epitome of that parody of the enemies to lovers trope. Uh. She. So I think he was really pushing in on that, hey, they should, you know, this, this is the greatest scene, I think, between the two of them is the fight back and forth between Isabel and Mort, where... <laughs> this is the line from Isabel. She says, I wouldn't marry you if you were the last man on the disc, she said sweetly. (laughs) Mort was hurt by this it was one thing to not want to marry someone, but for them not to want to marry you, you know, of that sort. <laughs> and so they proceed to have this back and forth where you know they make fun of each other's looks. Uh, like her eyes look like eggs. Your legs look off. Mort, you're simple-minded, and they have these insults insults to the point where Isabel even says something about his legs, makes a comment, and Mort's like, "Oh, what's that mean?" And she goes, "Oh, it means your legs are bandy." And Mort's like, "Ah, oh, you know, good one." <laughs> so. And it ends with them just being like, good, obviously we wouldn't be good together, right? Of course. And it's just that big flag of this is every enemy's the lover's trope, right? Where they're supposed to push back against each other ridiculously and it's a joke on romance and so forth. Uh, And again, the scene where she's trying to seduce him so clearly and more being oblivious to this, just he doesn't think that way. But each character here seems to be there for that parody reason. Her, Princess Kelly um cut cutwell is just your wizard archetype character and then we also have to mention binky the horse anything else with characters that you want to analyze no nah, i think we should move okay. on to dialogue approach. my favorite part
0: yes <laughs> the dialogue Pros, what did you rate it out of 10 rich i initially gave it an 8 out of 10 initially i kind of want to raise it yeah. to a 9.25 Okay, because I... So is 9.25 your official rating? I'm going that, to officially change it. What's that bring your overall rating to? 9.25.
2: Well, no, for your total scores now... 8.2. 8.2. That's a big difference. Yeah. That's a big difference, because I gave Dialog of Pros a 9.75. Yeah. It's pretty flawless. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I don't even want to mention my complaint because I'm stupid and I don't deserve to utter the word. So I'll just talk about the love for it. The first thing we have to mention is you, you said how he has all these unique ways of using writing tools and these quirks that other people don't do. One of them being the asterisks at the bottom. And how that works is just when you're reading a line, there's an asterisk at the end of the sentence, you go down and it expands upon this one little portion of text about um, oh, one day there was a, uh, people didn't like how kings decided everything, so they created a government where there was a plutarch of like one person who could decide everything, and it's called the one person democracy.
0: These ridiculous tangents about that expand on the world yeah. and have these fun. And d- it nuts. works because it's, it's a complete aside, and mm. I guess you don't technically need to read it to continue on with the story, but it's a The visual break of you moving away from the sentence or the paragraph to go down below to read this little excerpt that's always just a little factoid about the world that just makes the world love it and then basically adds on to the joke that was told in the story is perfect. Why would – like another author would just try and fit that fact inside some line of dialogue or fit it into an explanation that – like where it would feel awkward and in this way it just feels fun yeah
2: i love it (laughs) It, it, it's amazing and he has these tools like the asterisks he has the other tool you mentioned where death's dialogue Mm -hmm. and how it looks different it's more this
0: bold in text and so he has this presence on the page all it It, literally is just bold text without quotation marks right because death death is the world and it who knew? Like, just having bold text in there completely, like, makes death feel so alien and ah, large and oppressive. I love it. <laughs> so good. I, I do not love the way you looked at me when you said that.
2: <laughs> that Yes, you're totally right. And th- there's these other small things that Terry Pratchett does. Where, here's one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying the F word, he uses dashes in mm-hmm. in, in Mort, where th- this is from the book. It goes, well, dash, 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 me, he said, a dash, 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 wizard. I dash, dash, dashing wizards, I dash 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 wizards you shouldn't and then the other person replies you shouldn't dash 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 them then muttered one of his henchmen effortly pronouncing a row of dashes <laughs> so you know you're reading the dashes going oh he's just you know all, he's muting
0: it out it's he's like,
2: muting out the f word and then the character acknowledges that why were you saying dashes out loud <laughs> and that was one of the scenes we didn't even mention because there's so many flood scenes here where mort is getting picked on by these henchmen and these this kind of build it's again a parody of the bullying trope of you know these guys come up to you give me your money and (laughs) I I, I okay i'm about to go through a bunch of lines if you don't mind that are just shoot them off hilarious to me uh where okay here's some funny ones one being scientists have calculated that the chance of anything so patently
0: I love it. I love it. Go, go. It's my my favorite line. Okay, okay.
2: (laughs) Scientists have calculated that the chance of anything so patently absurd actually existing are millions to one. But magicians have calculated that million to one chances crop up nine times out of (laughs) ten.
0: It's so good. I love it. (laughs) That's my favorite thing. Uh, Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. Did it happen in this book, or is it in another Discworld book? Which one? I'm gonna describe a scene to you. I hope I'm not like spoiling us. It's a line from a okay. book. Is that is a thing in Discworld? Like a million to one odds. Yeah, are like are going to happen nine times that day. Exactly. Like if, as if it's a million to one, it's a good shot, guaranteed, guaranteed. It's yeah. basically and like a thing is happening in Discworld, and they go it the. And they're like, "This is impossible. The odds are a million to one." And then the wizard, like the wizard who's like freaking out about it, like turns and looks. He goes, "A million to one That's odds, not in this book exactly." Yet. It goes, "Yeah, the odds are a million to one." It goes,
2: "That's gonna happen.
0: That's great. <laughs> Fantastic." That's not a more. That's in a different okay, one for it's sure. A different book. <laughs> okay, I yeah. loved. It's like that means it's gonna happen. <laughs>
2: It's just odds work differently in this world. Yeah. I got to say, that's a great line. does not even compare to some of these for me. So when I mean I give the dialogue 9.75 to this, freaking genius. He's a masterful,
0: no, not a writer, an artist. The Mona Lisa, (laughs) but better. I'll be honest. The only reason I'm not giving Terry Pratchett a 10 on dialogue and prose is because, like, I think Terry Pratchett does better. Like, I'm not comparing (laughs) him to someone else. I'm going, like, Terry Pratchett, you have a better one out there. Like, Terry Pratchett, you're only losing to yourself. That's (laughs) it. That's all I'm saying. And this will confirm even more.
2: Here's some more lines. Let's just have fun with these lines, right? Okay. I love this line. With my entire being, okay? Mm-hmm. This is where Mort and Death are traveling across the land on Binky the Horse, you know, going and seeing. So, <clears throat> this is the narration. This was a rich country full of silt and rolling cabbage fields and neat little kingdoms whose boundaries wriggled like snakes as small formal wars, marriage pacts, complex alliances, and the occasional bit of sloppy cartography changed the political shape of the <laughs> land. It <laughs> <laughs> just, you just imagine. How dry the map difference, like oh, you, you own that part. I, I messed up. It's just, just how well described it is, and then the funny bit there. It, it, it's just sloppy love- cartography changing the political landscape of the world is such a Discworld thing.
0: Well, it's also a real world thing. It's a funny reaction to like the British, <laughs> the British, <laughs> which um, Terry Pratchett is English. If you don't know, which is that's a, that's a clearly a reference to that, but it's yeah. hilarious. I, I just love how the Squiggly, like slithering Squiggling lines oh, yeah. Of the country Like that Specific line description Is so Funny But yeah. so descriptive I love it Yes I would never yes. have Described something that way No and That's why he's the goat He is He is the goat He's one Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him and Fierce Brown Same pros. Yeah <laughs> Don't you dare! <laughs> no. I don't even think Terry Ter- Brown would agree with you on that. No, no, they have different. They have completely different styles. <laughs> completely, completely and, and, different, and one is significantly better than the other. I love them both,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but with, with Terry Pratchett as well. That you say the British Empire. He has this. It, Terry Pratchett is British. He has this British humor that I really appreciate. Maybe if a British person's reading this, they get less fun out of it. But I get so much fun out of this oh, humor. I'm sure they do. I, I hope so, because from the American perspective, I'm just I'm dying laughing at stuff like like this. Where Mort's freaking out because um he, he just went through a wall. He was starting to become death and transform into things that only death can do. And he says to this this stall holder, he goes, Can you see me? He demanded. The stall holder squinted critically at him. I reckon so, he said. Or someone very much like you. Oh, thank you, said Moore, immensely relieved. Don't mention it. I see lots of people every day. No charge. Want any bootlaces? <laughs> just <laughs> these little things of the the sarcastic British dialogue going back and forth. Like, that's a normal thing in the day for yeah. some innkeeper. And the scene we were just talking about where he's getting robbed. Mm-hmm. And it's this parody on the bullying archetype. And where they say, give us your money. <laughs> okay, this might be my favorite line. Every, okay. every, every line, line I say okay. is my favorite line where they're saying, hey, give us your money, essentially. And the narration says, one of them had drawn a knife, which he waved in little circles in the air. He advanced slowly towards Mort, while the other two hung behind to provide immoral support. <laughs> 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 because they're because they're bad guys you can't give moral support when you're immoral just the one line there to that's give, so moral it's support. genius it's like that's funny that's just that's just humor if you don't laugh at the, come on that's great
0: oh god that's hilarious
2: <laughs> to provide immoral support to the guy robin let's go buddy <laughs> oh god oh and then not to mention like with the world building the way the world's described so good so here's this river Unk greatest of rivers even before it entered the city it was slow and heavy with the silt of the plains and by the time it got to the shades even an agnostic could have walked across it funny and a great accurate so what you're doing terry pratchett is you're, you're doing so many things at once where you're describing it in a funny way but also showing in a great analogy of hey jesus could walk a water even an agnostic could walk across it that's how filthy the river is the river is literally so filthy with silt and stuff that even an agnostic could walk across it. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. Let's go, Terry. That's. <laughs> Do you need to say any more? You want me to just keep going? It's perfect. Go. Uh, uh, keep okay. <laughs> Again, more with the sarcastic British humor, right? Where more, more ask Cutwell the wizard. Uh, what time sunset round here? Cutwell says. We normally manage to fit it between night and day. <laughs> just, the sarcastic British. Just give me more of that. Thank you. That's it. That's all I need. <laughs> And this is what the this is where the narrative is saying, it might be worth taking another look at Mort because he's changed a lot over these last few chapters. Like where the narration starts to uh, it it takes a it goes out of the narration itself and is talking directly to the reader. And these kind of narrative tricks that Terry Pratchett uses of you know Mort having an internal dialogue with himself and his conscious or the narration talking to the reader and being like, hey, it's worth taking another look at Mort here. He's changed a lot in these last few chapters. Where you go, like, wait a second, <laughs> or okay, we're being, uh, I'm being like, the story's being told to me at the same time, but I'm also, it's like third person omniscient. Makes you feel and a part of it. Makes you feel a part of it. And another, another funny line here, where this guy's wife, Mrs. Quimdel Mims, here's a line about her and their relationship. So Mrs. Quimdel Mims, with whom Mister Quimdel Mims had enjoyed six happy months of married life. That had been some twenty years previously. <laughs> Just cute little lines. Yeah. And uh, th- this is this is a feature. I don't have the exact line written out here, but Moore is essentially reading uh, about Albert and the line. Oh, he's this two thousand year old wizard. He's reading and he's reading Albert's book or so forth. And he closes and goes, "It's written in old." He said, "Like he can't understand. it. It's written in old. It was before they invented spelling." <laughs> 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 Great lines and. I'll finish up with a couple more funny ones and yeah. then visa I'll I, I gotta get all these good lines from Terry out here um, so here, here's another narration line Mort talking about he was determined to discover the underlying logic behind the universe which was going to be hard because there wasn't one <laughs> classic and <laughs> uh, this is describing
0: Ockmore Pork or uh, Onkompore. No, you got it right. I got. I did. You got it. You pronounced it correctly. I like that. I like that. First time. I'm impressed. (laughs) And
2: this was in a. I forget where this was in some sort of scene, but it goes. He'd been wrong. There was a light at the end of the tunnel, and it was a flamethrower. And this year's not a funny line, but it's just so well described. I have to mention this. Mm -hmm. It's when death is in the bar with humans, and it says the narration says. They were sufficiently observant to be vaguely worried by the tall, dark figure standing by the bar and drinking his way through its entire contents. Lonely, dedicated drinkers always generate a mental field which ensures complete privacy, but this particular one was radiating a kind of fatalistic gloom that was slowly emptying the bar. This didn't worry the barman because the lonely figure was engaged in a very expensive experiment.
0: Like yes, yeah. What else to say there? You're never gonna write anything that good.
2: <laughs> no, never. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> I, I, do you understand? I look at like I look at children's books and go, "That's already tough enough to match." Yeah. Terry's just come on. <laughs> and uh, oh. another quick line: Wizards consider appearances are very important. So are disappearances. He vanished.
0: Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> da, 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 da.
2: Lovely lines. Yeah. What else is there to say other than Terry has a way with words and describing. See that that scene with death. That very simply put, it, it puts you in the world of how
0: everybody else is uncomfortable. The presence that death gives perfectly gets you in the world. Well, not so. That scene with death, I think, is a good example of what perfect writing is and what it is what it's supposed to do. That that whole scene and couple lines with death what does it do? One, it gives an accurate description of death himself. It gives a perfect description and a visual description of where the scene is taking place. It also gives you more insight into the world and how the world sees death, the the world building aspect of it. It also carries forward the plot. Why is death there? What is he doing? An expensive experiment. You go through the you have more insight into character on how people are thinking, what what Death is thinking. It does everything. And also is a very fun scene. It it literally goes through all five of our categories and pushes them forward in some way. It's incredible. Everything. Yeah. That is master. That is a master wordsmith. And you only give it a nine two five. I give it a nine seven five. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> I'm just saying, Terry does it better sometimes. Oh, oh, yeah. He, I, he is incredible. That's the only thing. I The only reason is I'm like, I know Terry has tens. <laughs> this is not his best work. It's the best out of everyone. But Terry himself <laughs> is in another league. So I have to give room. For more Terry. For more Terry. Got that's you. it. Got you. Between everyone else. Like if no one else existed like if this was absent like this is the only terry pratchett book 10 10 yeah. <laughs> compared to everyone else but compared to terry only a 925 <laughs> that's it Just a meager 925 a meager 925
2: <laughs> i can't say enough uh, look what else do you want to say about his pros other than he does exactly that he pushes so many things forward in each sentence the word efficiency we've we've gone on to talk about the simple book but from a simpleton character and we are talking so much about it because he packs a punch in every scene that gives you so much to talk about
0: this is probably one of our more longer review videos and this is one of also one of the shortest books we've reviewed yeah it is think about that yeah that's pretty amazing
2: it is yeah, this, is, this reminds me of a Piranesi type, where Piranesi is not a comedy or anything. No. But it's so efficient, and it packs a punch, where there's so much to talk about,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and your similar stories, where whereas nothing bad about this story, but you know, All Systems Red by Martha Wells, really fun and great story. Love Solid. It. I, I think I gave it like an eight, eight something like that. Great.
0: Uh, but, you know, pretty easy to talk about. There's a couple, there's like a layer beneath yep. than what the story is saying, which is fun to talk about. And
2: that, that, by the way, that's what it intends to do. Exactly. It's not it, like it's going for more of what Mort's doing or what another story's doing.
0: Terry that's has it. meant... It, Terry's an onion. It, like, it's a... Like, you peel back and there's so many layers underneath that you can talk about, which yeah. is just... Every time you read it, you find something new. <sighs> Man. We're, we're,
2: we're bonding. We're yep.
0: bonding. <laughs>
2: Want to get into the last category? Yep. All right. This is the world building slash magic system. What'd you rate it mm. out of 10?
0: I gave it an 8.25 out of 10. I give it an 8.5. We're right there. Right. The only reason I'm not giving it a 10 out of 10 yeah. is because Terry Pratchett does it better. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Pratchett is in a league. It's, if I'm comparing this to everyone else, 10 out of 10. But I have to compare Terry to Terry. And Terry to Terry, this is only an 8.25. Sometime, other books, Terry gets a 10. <laughs> so T- terry
2: also always must be compared to himself exactly he is he the is top his, of the league he is his greatest enemy in fred because the, mm-hmm. the only person could be better than terry's terry exactly okay i understand you
0: there has to be room to grow for <laughs> terry himself
2: <laughs> now the there's a lot to say with the world mm-hmm. i think the most important thing that disc world does beyond the specific we could talk about the disc we can talk about death and we already kind of mentioned a lot of that but this is important for all stories is tone what does the world provide to you tonally? Like, of course, I have to mention this once per video, but Red Rising, you know, Red Rising, the tone of Red Rising is there. The tone of Stormlight is there. I will even compare it to the Stormlight, the Red Rising, to all those I've read. The tone for Terry Pratchett is the most, the, for what intends to do, is the most clear and perfect of any story. It really is, where yeah. the tone is supposed to be whimsy, absurd, fun to the extent that even in this world where people are dying, like, for example, in this very story, there's this evil guy, this malicious duke who's trying to assassinate the princess, and there's these malicious people, there's these henchmen. There, there are bad people in this world, but even with the evil that lurks around, the whimsy still prevails. The tone is still there. And that is done, one, with how it's written, and two, the world that's created and that you're able to immerse yourself in. You always not only know what to expect. So great stories do the three things. We've talked about this before. Promise, progress, payoff. You are constantly promised a tone, and you are constantly paid off with with the tone that you expect to get yourself into. And so even when there's an impactful message of we're talking about perception versus reality, fate, all this stuff, (laughs) all this bullshit, which is amazing shit. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's supposed to be nonsensical, which makes it sensical. It's so cool because we're talking about a silly story that is whimsy, but it's able to have these quote-unquote serious moments, but those serious moments and serious messages and evil people are still with the undertone of you're having fun and hilarity ensues. Mm -hmm. That
0: is a masterful. Yeah. Not only tone, but I think what Terry Pratchett expertly does, which so many other authors, maybe if they don't fail at it, they fall short of the mark, is internal consistency. Oh yes, Discworld is tonally and internally consistent. The logic makes sense in its nonsense. One, it's harder to do to make, to do a, a absurdist fantasy that actually is coherent and makes sense and has a certain absurd logic to it is way harder than doing a serious fantasy and have it tonally uh, internally consistent. Right, if
2: you draw if you go beyond the line of breaking your absurdist rules, it becomes unreal and if anything could happen, it defeats your suspension of disbelief that this isn't
0: fun anymore. Yeah. Well, Discworld breaks the rules mm. by making Different rules around. Like, here's your box of fantasy rules. Great circle, Rich. Yeah. Great right. circle.
2: Audio only listeners are getting a great yeah. visual. Yeah. You yeah, have. Look Disc at that World circle.
0: Breaks it. Yeah. And makes it a little larger. But the rules are still there. So, like, while you're inside the Discworld rules, you feel like you're hovering around. You're going, oh man, this is absurd. This is crazy because you're going past the rules that you're used to. Those rules are broken. But you're still within Discworld's rules. And that is still consistent. So that way you still care. You still actually care about the characters and the world because it feels real.
2: A great small example of this, because we could talk, well, let's talk about the larger things as well with what Wart does of
0: death, of the mm-hmm.
2: disc, of all this stuff. A small paragraph example of, is the reannual plants. <laughs> Where there there are reannual plants, this is what Mort and his family do. They distill mm-hmm. grapes from reannual plants. What are reannual plants? Well, reannual plants are you sow the seed this year, and the crop grows last year. Okay. Now Mort's family specializes in the grapes, which obviously makes wine. So these are very well sought after by um, fortune tellers, of course. Mm-hmm. So. The only problem is that when you drink this kind of wine that's distilled from re-annual, uh, reannual grapes is you get the hangover the morning before you drink. So you have to drink a lot to get over the hangover from the reannual grapes. It's just <laughs> it, it's, it both is nonsense but also creates this fabric of rules that you've said this many times before of Discworld has a way of going if if someone else just said hey this could happen in Discworld this is let me toss an absurd thing like a flying bunny you go no that mm-hmm. like a flying bunny doesn't make sense in Discworld that's that doesn't that doesn't add to the uh, the presence you're looking for where as we've this whole thing if there's one thing to take away from Discworld is that everything works together and weaves together the world works with the plot the plot works with the characters the characters work with the dialogue everything combines where ah that's a Discworld line. That's a Discworld world-building tactic right there. You can't just have a flying Toyota in the sky. Doesn't make sense in Discworld. Yeah. So it's not like your, tang-
0: your, your tangents usually go on where modern art has no rules. Discworld has rules. Discworld does have rules. It just makes new ones. It breaks the old and makes new, and that's wonderful. It is. And in this specifically, we get a lot
2: more with death and Death's mm-hmm. world. How he treats victims of. Uh, I shouldn't even call them victims. They're not. Passengers. Passengers, exactly. Passengers
0: on the road from life to death.
2: And some of them get reincarnated again because it propels the message of the story about perception and belief over reality. It all intertwines together. It's why this is so satisfying. And you get the consistency as well with, in death's world, you have these libraries of people's biographies. Mm -hmm. and how words have meaning. And the more words there are, the more intensity and the more pain you have while reading them with wizards and so forth. Everything intertwines. Um, You have the disc itself. You want to discuss the disc in this world?
0: (laughs) (laughs) The fact that, okay, it's just a disc world. A flat earth. That's what it is. But then you go beyond that of it's on the back of four elephants riding on the back of a turtle flying through space. And then all the little details of explorers that just kind of fall off the edge. And all the further details of how this would even work are explored and have this fun little sense. Like where is death's world? Well, death's world in this context is kind of hovering around the disc, but it's not, it's a little separate, but it's the God's realm is here. The death is here. It, it all makes sense. It does. It. it I, I love it. This makes more sense than red risings world. Here we go. (laughs) No, like, and I'm not even picking on Red. Any, any fantasy sci-fi world, they're cool. They're interesting. They, they can make sense. They're not as coherent as Discworld. Nothing. Lord of the Rings maybe comes close, but you know what? I'd say Discworld's more consistent (laughs) with itself. I get
2: you. I, hey, I'm not gonna disagree with you on Discworld is super coherent, and Discworld creates this. You're able to suspend your disbelief for things that wouldn't make sense in this disbelieving world. Like yeah. it, 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 the nonsense makes sense. It's yeah. like a paradox, but it works. Mm-hmm. And, and there's these, there's these. we can go into several elements, but I, here's a specific, right? Okay. Uh, there's the listeners, the religion, the listeners, who yeah. only stay alive because the gods are like, I'm curious what they can hear. Like the, the gods could just smite them to death if they wanted to, but they're like, hmm, I do want to hear what the listeners were trying to figure out what the first word that God said when he created the universe was. Yeah. Just, okay. (laughs) Uh, There's these little nuggets throughout the entire book. I can't mention them all. We can't mention them all. But the ever-present thing we can talk about is the tone of the story. The consistency, the coherency you're talking about Mm -hmm. is all wonderful. Oh, God. It just makes you feel cozy. When you pick up a Discworld book and you just know what you're going to get,
0: there's nothing better in reading than that. There's almost... I I hate to say it this way, but there's almost never complete surprise from Discworld, because and i mean that in the right way of my expectations are never subverted i'm all like after huh. something happens maybe it's shocking in the moment but i go oh yes that makes sense <laughs> it, it, i'm like more i talking shouldn't like be that. surprised exactly I'm like, yeah. of course i i never have that moment of like i never could have saw this coming i go I should have seen this coming. (laughs) Which is very different. When you, it's what I don't like about some storytelling where they do this shocking thing and it's just. That's all it has is the shock value? It's all it is. And then you go, you could tell someone wrote that and it isn't real. It isn't what would actually happen in the story that's being told. Where this one, it just feels like, oh, of course that's what would happen in the story.
2: right? That's the world building. I think we should probably review more Discworld books if we want to stay better friends. Because, probably. you know, when we talk about we, our other books, Wheel of Time,
0: there's a little tension. Here's the thing Red Rising, there's Just, a little tension. Do we need. So, do you want a long lasting friendship? And if you no. do, I. No. The answer <laughs> <you know>. no. <laughs> if we want this to last long, we got to pace ourselves. Because we got 42 Discworld books. Yeah. And then once those are done, that's it. No, Our friendship's gone after that. We could just reread them.
2: Nope. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a timeline. We have an hourglass. Yep. On our friendship is when we are done with all 42 Discworld books on this channel. The channel ends, our friendship ends,
0: and the world ends. Yep. You guys all have a time limit. So this this is going to be a countdown. As we're working through Discworld and as we start getting closer and closer to book number 42, you'll know that that's where the end is coming.
2: And you know what we're going to do as I'm holding the stuffed animal that fell, You know what we're going to do exactly? I think we should start now with Discord going 1 to 42. Mm-hmm. We did, I think, 13 is Small Gods. 4 is Mort. We should now start going in order, and we could show the channel viewers, like, when the channel's going to end is the closer we get to that 42 number.
0: That'd be kind of fun.
2: Like, that is a ticking time bomb. And yeah. if we don't want the channel then we just stop at 41. But it's always there. It's, it's always the,
0: there. It's, if we ever want the to review last, The oh. last review on our channel. Book 42. We'll be book 42. Book. And by
2: then we've moved on to something else. Yeah. And you know what? We created a new reality because we believed
0: in something greater. I like it. Just like I, more. I wine think you guys think we're joking. We're not. <laughs> 100% serious. 100%. Shake on it. Shake. It's done. We never we
2: reject the handshake.
0: That will the promise yeah. that if, if you ever see book 42 of Discworld on this channel... That is the last. The bit. end of the channel. That's the end. We won't do a single video on our two to ramble channel after that. Deal. That's it. That's so fun. Yeah, I, I like it. I really
2: like it. I'm excited <laughs> on this journey now.
0: Ah, that that just that so just if you ever want to end it a little quicker, you're just gonna start <laughs> seeing like, man, they did like five Discworld books in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Are they okay? <laughs> man, this is getting a little uncomfortable. See, it both brings us together and also. Quickens the quickens the end. So every single Discworld book review is bittersweet. Just like sweet. Birthdays. Birthdays is a celebration yeah. and yet is a reminder that you're one year closer to death. Oh yeah. So every discworld book is the same. Yeah. Wow. But for us, it's just
2: sweet because it's
0: oh we're closer to freedom. We're closer to freedom. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, I hope you guys like that more <laughs> review. We we that was, I love Discworld books.
0: I did. That was yeah. fun. All right. Let us know what you guys think about more down in the description below and join our Patreon if you want to talk with us about Discworld books and other books and the like.
2: Yes, yes, yes. We'll see you
0: guys in the next video.
2: See you in the next video. Bye-bye. Next video is episode 42. Not 42. (laughs) It's book 42 of Discworld. Book 42. That's an actual one. Bye. Bye. Bye.